0: Are we rolling? We yes. rolling. We rolling. <laughs> we rolling.
1: Rolling, rolling, rolling.
0: I was thinking of Limp biscuit, <laughs> and you were thinking of rawhide. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, we, we're clearly yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're clearly coming at this from very different perspectives. <laughs> right, Should pretty kick off.
1: Yeah, welcome to time for cakes and ale.
0: Cakes and ale.
1: Which is a new podcast from me, Bex.
0: And me, Ethan.
1: So welcome to episode one.
0: How many people thought it would actually be like presented by people who would be going, oh, I'm cakes and I'm <laughs> ale.
1: <laughs> but who would be cakes and who would be ale? Hmm. I, think, I think it varies from day to day.
0: Hmm. I do like ale, but I do like cakes. <laughs> it's it's a <laughs> hundred, isn't it? The I like cakes, but I also like ale. <laughs> it's the same one. It's exactly the same thing.
1: So is there a recipe for cake which involves ale? I have a feeling that that the alcohol would somehow...
0: This is quite a tangent. Yes. It's quite a tangent.
1: This is not a cookery podcast.
0: (laughs) I think it's time to re-record, not fade away. (laughs) Re-record, not fade away. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Time Cakes Now, which yes. is actually a uh, genre <laughs> what media <is> it? <laughs> kind of
2: It's a broadcast.
0: multimedia conglomeration. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment 720! <720. laughs> that went well. Right, If um, we try it again? Another intro? Let's just. Right, okay, so pretend that you haven't heard anything <laughs> ever. <laughs> This is all a dream. Right, hello and welcome to Time for Cakes and Ale, which is what you're listening to.
1: <laughs> which is actually a genre media type podcast.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes, if you look up that in the dictionary, <laughs> this is what it will show.
1: <laughs> but You have to look up in the Cakes and Ale dictu- dictionary.
0: We could basically describe this podcast by going through all the things it's not. That's a lot of things. <laughs> it's not a horse. <laughs> it's not a chest of drawers. <laughs> right. Um,
1: what are we here to talk about?
0: That's a very good question.
1: I don't mean in an existential way, but literally today. What are we here to talk about?
0: Um, uh, yes. We're going to talk about all the things. All of the things. Yes. Things involving films and movies and books and TV and all and all of, the, all of the kind of genre-related media that is pervading our lives at the moment and uh, that we seem to be soaking up like a sponge. Mm. Sponge.
1: And some of it is going to be new films and TV that's coming out. Sometimes we're going to be looking back at some of the things that we love from the past.
0: Yeah, we'll pretty mostly be talking about in Peaks and The Prisoner and that's about it because I will eventually hijack this whole thing just to talk about that Uh, but first I think uh, what we're going to do this week is talk about the two uh, most obvious uh, genre related releases one of which is Doctor Strange
1: which we have just been to see.
0: Strange!
1: (laughs) It was less strange than I'd hoped it would be. Yes.
0: It could have been referred to in that same context as a doctor. Mm. You know, it was. It was a bit. Well, we'll get to that later, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) and the other thing we're talking about is equally uh, dull, which is the return of most of the uh, CWDC TV universe things involving uh, Supergirl and The Flash and Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow.
1: Oh, Legends of
0: Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow.
1: Which we are still inexplicably watching.
0: One star would watch again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it is deliberately put on on the night when there's nothing else on. So yeah. you watch it.
1: And when you've watched the other three and you think, oh, go on then. Yeah. At, le- at least if I can just get to the crossover episode, it'll all mm. be fine.
0: Or maybe it won't be. <laughs> yeah. So in a few weeks a time we'll be thinking, oh, we got to the crossover episode. It wasn't fine. It wasn't <laughs> fine at all.
1: To be fair, it's not the worst thing that we still inexplicably continue watching.
0: Supernatural. It's not the theme tune. It should be. It's just as bad. They could have that. They could have it being shouted when they have the the title come up. <laughs> Instead of that then and now business. Yeah. They but could do do They could
1: Can replace you... uh, Carry On Wayward Son with a <laughs>
0: Supernatural. <laughs> Yeah, they could do that but they but they haven't for some reason <laughs> i don't know why
1: despite all of my emails suggesting it
0: very supernatural what <laughs> a great idea for your theme tune <laughs> but it is a show basically that hasn't changed in 12 years and it's not going to suddenly uh, put lyrics <laughs> over its uh, theme tune which is basically a theme couple of bars of music
2: yeah.
0: and it's it's not really a theme <laughs> and i think Uh, A theme that just involves somebody singing the word supernatural (laughs) over and over again would not be in keeping with the stale, (laughs) Vancouver-situated tone uh, of uh, probably one of the longest-running genre shows on TV today.
1: Yeah, and the sight of two actors who realise they're never going to have another job.
0: (laughs) But you know what? The pay is good, the weather is shite.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, welcome to episode one. Hello. Hello. Which should we do first? Doctor Strange or CW?
0: Doctor Strange!
1: Okay, let's... uh...
0: (laughs) 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 It's a complete go. Yes, fair enough. We'll carry on.
1: So, Doctor Strange then.
0: Okay, so what's just opened is the new Doctor Strange movie from Marvel, which we've just returned from seeing. Any thoughts? General indifference, me thinks.
1: Yeah, it was pretty much exactly what I expected it to be, which was a generic Marvel
2: movie.
0: Which is kind of sad that it's already got that way so quickly. Um, Maybe we should back up a little bit and talk about the actual film
1: (laughs) It's about a brilliant but arrogant surgeon in the vein of house characters like that who gets in a car accident, loses much of the use of his hands thus ending his career and in his desperation at looking for anything that might possibly heal him he travels to Nepal and gets involved in this I suppose a a group of mysticism a strange
0: mystic ancient cult which exists over there which has the power to use your spiritual energy to kind of heal yourself supposedly Mm. and he taps into that under the tutelage of a character known as the Ancient One and Mm -hmm. all the other people there and through that he learns the powers which make him a sorcerer
1: and the group happened to be under threat from a character who, played by Mad Mikkelsen, used to be a member of the group and has now turned to, I suppose, the dark side and wants to tap into this place called the shadow, the shadow dimension? I can't
2: the
0: dark dimension or something.
1: Something sinister. <laughs> um, and is trying to bring down the organisation in order to achieve their goals Um, and this generates pretty much all of the conflict in the movie
0: and if if we sound very bored talking about the plot of this movie it's basically because the movie itself is pretty dull (laughs) I think
1: I think Marvel have got this formula now of how they make their films, particularly how they make their origin films for characters that people are unfamiliar with and you go in knowing all the beats that it's going to hit that the the type of humor that there's going to be like
0: the wisecracking that's going to take place yeah and and it's very like the formula is so rigid like you say there's you know they always have a you know a very kind of useless villain actually who has grand plans to for world domination And ultimately he's foiled in a particularly mundane fashion. But it's more of an advert for the lead character to kind of show how cool he is, all of his powers and kind of go into that realm of him being, you know, you know, a hero, even when there's no apparent villain that he needs to fight against. uh,
1: The villains are often completely inept. Yeah,
0: They, they have no personality at all. They're all very generic. No motivations, or the most simple motivations you can get in a, in any kind of storyline.
1: Um, I mean, the the opening scene. This isn't really a spoiler because this is the opening scene of the movie. Um, the villain steals a page from a book, and as I was watching it, I thought, "Why didn't he just take the book? Yeah. You could literally just take the entire book. There was absolutely no purpose behind just taking one page. Yeah, because
0: it, if you'd have seen him break in and they know that he's going to do something and, he, and they know, he, and they clearly know what he's gone after as well because there's a special spell which is written on these pages it makes no difference whether he takes a couple of pages or the whole book but it makes for a nice kind of scene I suppose with mm. him kind of like taking the pages and leaving behind and then, and then people later on the fact that there's a book re-emerging which has the pages missing which drives the plot forward with Doctor Strange it's all, it services the plot very well but it makes no sense in terms of what would actually happen if you if you really want to do it if you can get in you get the book you wouldn't open it up take the pages you want and leave because people know what you're doing anyway you just take everything and you go
1: yeah and characters doing stupid things because the plot requires them to is a huge bugbear of mm-hmm. mine when it comes to writing i think yeah. it's really lazy there is a way that you can make the plot work while making the characters do intelligent things
0: it just strips it down to you know people being robots just doing the minimum amount of things they need to do to drive the plot forward Um, and in this case it's kind of it's always the villains who seem to do it in these marvel films they they have a very they might have a really elaborate plan but they do the most basic things at each point to get them to move forward and i think it always comes across as you know this kind of ineptitude which is seeping in which makes it obvious that they're going to be foiled in some kind of way at the end um, so what did you think of of uh, benedict cumberbatch as as dr strange
1: i i kept getting distracted by his accent it, yeah, it wandered around yeah. a bit i wasn't sure what kind of american accent he was going for i don't think he was either a
0: bad american accent <laughs> he was going for the american accent that british actors sometimes do <laughs> when they've had a limited time with a voice coach I think. yeah it was all it was kind of this like generic american accent which is not too it doesn't have too much of a um uh, what's the word like a specific sort of region mm. like a regional twang or anything but it just sounds like a generic american accent so it wavers with different words there's no kind of intonation it, like it doesn't it doesn't sound right at all and the problem is clearly it looks like you know, it's Benedict Cumberbatch with a silly beard on, a silly goatee beard on later on, you know, pretending to be Doctor Strange. Mm. It's a bit too cosplay the whole thing. It yeah. looks a bit it it all comes across as a bit too fake because you don't believe him. He's too he's like a Tony Stark character, but he's not Tony Stark. I mean he's mm. got he's meant to be kind of arrogant and he's kind of taught the error of his ways when he loses the ability to perform surgery, etc. But ultimately he doesn't have the the charisma to carry it it's a bit uh it's very strange watching somebody on the screen who is outdone by everyone around him um because he's obviously the big star and and actually all the lead marvel people do have a lot of screen presence Mm. at least he just looks out of place he looks like the he looks like he's just excited to be in a marvel movie (laughs) and unfortunately i wasn't that excited to be watching this marvel movie (laughs)
1: And it it was a cast that was filled with a lot of British actors playing various roles, most of them with various accents. I think the only British actor who had a British accent was Tilda Swinton, but a lot of the other characters were also British. But he was the only one who stuck out, I suppose, as there just being something a bit odd about it
0: um I, I think they've hired him because he looks a bit like Doctor Strange. If you were to kind of, I don't know, you know, take a picture of him, like if his face on the cover of the Radio Times, and you're bored, you get a pen, you draw a little goatee beard on him.
2: <laughs> Basically,
0: and somebody's clearly done that and said that looks like Doctor Strange, and yeah. they've actually gone so far as to make a film with him in it. And I think he's he's good, but he's not he's not right for this. I think, and you and you can almost see the problem later on because. He's not going to be able to hold his own, I think, against against everyone else, especially because he has the most outlandish set of skills of all of the, um, you know, uh, Marvel heroes. Yeah. Because this is the film which is supposedly bringing sort of the uh, sort of the magic and the supernatural element in. Um, and I think he's a he's an odd choice to carry to carry this character, but of course he might improve in the future.
1: Yeah, and being a marvel lead hero he has to have a, a certain amount of redeeming features so they can't have him go full sherlock mm. in the movie mm. and presumably american audiences know him for being sherlock yeah. but it it's a toned down version in some ways mm. um and a toned down version of house yeah. md in which some is basically way.
0: sherlock holmes anyway yeah which yeah. is basically
1: sherlock um and the it didn't for me it didn't quite hit the right balance i felt you could have either turned that element of it up and actually had a far less likable character in the lead which could have been interesting mm. but they were never really going to do that yeah. because you can't really do that in a in a big blockbuster mm. movie
2: the thing
0: is i think he's too similar i think to to tony stark mm you know like although his, his powers are very different etc he's his arc is is very similar you know and i think it becomes it becomes problematic to watch a movie where you're constantly comparing the lead character to a similar character in the same universe and you know at some point they're going to interact but it just doesn't it just doesn't work yeah. and it almost seems like he's just He's just a bit miscast in it, and it's a bit of a distraction. The problem is, he—it's still weird. It's—I mean, maybe it's less strange for people uh, in the US, but in the UK, if you watch him, you know him from everything he's done on, on TV here. So it's very odd to watch. It's always strange when you watch somebody from from like television
2: <laughs> appearing
0: in film. It's like when you see like somebody from EastEnders in a movie,
2: hmm.
0: or in that, what was that film uh, the one State of Play? has to do with the orange adverts in it yeah <laughs> and when he pops up i mean everyone in this country knew him from the old orange adverts um, that used to play before films but it's very jarring when you see these people and they have to be a completely different character to anything they've been before or it's just a weird thing to watch mm. um i mean he is good but he's not given much to work with because as a character he doesn't have much of an arc i think um beyond the Beyond what you just explained, a very basic kind of ooh I'm an arrogant surgeon, oh my hands and then suddenly he's like, Oh I must, you know, find out if something happens to yeah. you know, get these special powers. But the plot itself is I don't really understand what what in that film required you know, two hours to tell. No. You know, there's a bit of an origin, but then but then certainly it progresses very quickly through big action set piece in the middle um, but then there's no real payoff at the end, I think um,
1: You know what, it reminded me in many ways of the first Captain America movie, which I also wasn't that keen on yeah. I thought it was just a, a movie, yeah. it wasn't bad but it wasn't great yeah. and it, I think many of the problems are the same in that you're caught up telling another origin story yeah. um, which gets tiresome after a while yeah. I thought the villain in the first Captain America film was a bit rubbish yeah. um, it, something about it just didn't work and then you put that in contrast to the second Captain America film which was so good and I mm. think is probably still the best of all of the Marvel yeah. films but. that I've seen so it's possible that the next Doctor Strange movie might be awesome mm. I don't know, Um, but it's a very big shift in tone that the Captain America films had.
0: Hmm. In um, order to get them to be workable as films.
1: Yeah, um, and whether they would be brave enough to do that. I felt it was very safe. All the choices were very safe of how they structured the film. So many times when you could tell where it was going, Um, you you could trace the most basic story arc across the film... (laughs) Uh, and when you don't get any surprises from a film it has to compensate by winning you over um, with charisma and just joy really yeah. and I didn't get that from it either yeah.
0: it's like a bit of a slog to watch you kind of go through the motions of it for like two hours and then at the end I think the it's clear that in the final couple of scenes that one major problem with this film is probably the fact that it's weighed down by the need to move the marvel story forward so Mm. they need to work out where um one of the infinity stones is they need to set up possibly what's going to happen in the in the future marvel films and that's all kind of bogging down a film which is meant to be about dr strange who's probably i think a less familiar character to the general audience than say spider-man is, for yeah. example um so i don't read a lot of um marvel comics at all i kind of you know to be honest i probably have, you know n- know most things i do about it from the films and then occasional you know uh, short runs that i've read but i don't follow it that closely so it's odd when these films are now stop gaps in a in a much larger story because they need to really hold their own or they just feel like you're watching an hour and a half of something which is just meant to push um sort of a 20 hour story (laughs) forward um but you know it's not it's not a bad film um it's just not one that i think really sticks out i mean maybe it tells you that the other films have been really good and it's kind of obvious when they're really good marvel films it's really obvious when they're really bad marvel films it just seemed like a step back, like you said, to sort of the very earliest phases of the, uh, um, of the Marvel Universe, where they weren't really sure what they were doing. They were just trying to crank out the characters and make sure they were introduced so they could use them later on.
1: The other comparison I find interesting is to the Ant-Man film last yeah. year, because like Doctor Strange, Ant-Man is a character who probably wasn't familiar to a lot of the people who have only been introduced to the Marvel Universe through the movies. Hmm. So you have to have an origin story in order to bring them in. Um, And the Ant-Man movie was in many ways very predictable. It had an obvious character arc. You could predict where some of the story beats were going to come from. Um, It it didn't offer too many surprises. But at the same time, it was funny and it had a warmth to it Mm. that really carried you through so that, I enjoyed watching it, even though it wasn't bringing anything particularly yeah. new.
0: And I think that what's strange about the Ant Man film it was it was, is that it was, it was also hampered by the fact that there was that issue of uh, Ed Wright, uh, Edgar Wright going to make it and then not making it, and then everyone's like, well, who who is going to make it? It's going to change, blah blah blah. And it went through a lot of you know very um, public behind the scenes changes. So I think it then makes it more of a challenge for the film to succeed. And still, I think, you know, I still think it's one of the best um, Marvel films. As a standalone one, especially, it it was really entertaining. I didn't actually care that it was a Marvel film at all. Mm. You know, it was just genuinely, you know, very entertaining. I think that's, a, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the problem with Doctor Strange is that it, it was unable to carry itself as a film on its own. Um, although the effects are very good. All the kind of weird inception, like, you know, buildings morphing and the dimensions all bleeding into one and things. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah that that was that was pretty good. I liked the very trippy the psychedelic journey he goes on when he Oh look at
0: the hands going all like, yeah. grabbing at him and then Yeah no I mean it's like it it's got really good effects. Um you yeah. some of it is a bit, actually the opening thing I didn't like. You know that um where Mads Mickelson's character is is uh, fighting the ancient one mm-hmm. at the very start. I think the problem there is that there's it's not like maybe it's just because audiences are used to seeing these kind of films now but it's so clear when they have shot a huge amount on green screen
2: Mm.
0: like the people just look like they're jumping around in like a like they would be jumping around in a in a video game it's all a bit weird to watch they don't look the people um are clearly being simultaneously um interchanged between the live action people and probably computer generated versions of the people the backgrounds are really cool but they sometimes don't look right when you've got a close up of somebody sort of against the background. It just doesn't look right. it just looks like you're just watching a, another kind of kung fu fight in the middle of nowhere. And it's, yeah. all bit, it's all a bit generic.
1: The other problem I have, and it's not just about Marvel films, but most big films and indeed TV shows these days, is the amount of publicity they push out for months, sometimes years before the thing comes out where you feel like you know so much about it already all the publicity shots from them filming on location Mm. and all the PR that they do and it just goes on and on and on and I remember um, reading about when they were filming on a street in New York and there was a comic book shop on the street and Benedict Cumberbatch went into the comic book shop and was chatting to people in costume Mm. and it was a nice you know fluffy pr thing that got on social media and everyone thought oh this is fantastic and that's how i you know it, it spreads around and it it's it's good pr for the film but at the same time it got to the point in the film when they were running down the street in new york and, and i thought this I thought, is must be where they
0: filmed it yeah. yeah i
1: thought oh that must be where the comic yeah. book shop is i was so taken out of the film yeah. by thinking oh i wonder if i can see it on the street this must be the bit where they shot that because I'd I'd already had too much information yeah. about this and it, it was unnecessary. I was going to go and see it anyway. Yeah.
0: I mean that's probably a that's probably a a conversation for another time as well, but there is this big problem with these films at the moment where there's there is information overload well in advance, like you say. So you know so much about them going in and mm. the problem is it's very hard for a for a film to deliver anything new when you've seen you know the characters in costume on set doing this and that when the trailers when well when films are coming out with three to four trailers before they've actually been released <laughs> all of them getting longer and giving away more and more of the plot it just becomes a real slog when you go to see the thing it's a real surprise if there's anything you haven't seen before yeah um and now because trail i mean obviously traders are trying to sell spectacle as well they used to try and you know acts like a real teaser for a film you know you kind of see it i remember seeing like, i remember lots of trailers of films where they used to have minimal information mainly because they were being released um you know sometimes at the very earliest stages of production you would see like a little bit of you know footage from a film but the trailers would be bizarre sometimes you wouldn't really have a sense what the film was about maybe because they hadn't really decided on what kind of film it was going to be yet but you'd have all these things and they would have like you know a year in advance you'd see this and then it would just say, you know, the year and a month, it would say coming next year, and that's it, and that would be the trailer, and it would stick with you if it was a good trailer, and you go and watch it. But now you know that there are, you know, film, um, there are film trailers at cinema, on TV, there's like every fluff, fluff piece possible on all on like you know, websites that cover this kind of stuff. So it becomes a bit overwhelming, mm. and then when you finally see it, it's hard to be really overawed by anything because you've seen it all before
1: yeah it's it's been a while since i've been to see a film at the cinema while knowing almost nothing about it other than people say it's good um and it's a shame when you don't get surprised anymore because i remember years and years ago going to see films that i knew very little about other than maybe who directed it who was in it seeing a short trailer that didn't really give too much away and then you go and see it, and there are huge surprises, yeah. and you don't know where it's going. And those are some of my favourite memories of going to the cinema. No. And it's a shame, really, that it is difficult to get that anymore. Because however much you try and avoid information, you just it's, can't. it's just everywhere.
2: Yeah.
0: But I think, I don't know, I mean, I think it might be one of the things that eventually changes when they realise they're oversaturating you know, the, the publicity for films. But you're right, it's just a real shame to go into a film having seen so much of it you know i think probably the, the 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 last example of a film that didn't give too much away was probably the the force awakens yeah um series of trailers because they they really hinted at something that was going on and um you kind of got the odd shot of something and it makes people you know it was a trailer it made you want to go and see the film although i admit that everyone's going to go and see the film anyway <laughs> um although the other side of it is i remember the last time that happened was probably When they had the trailers for the Phantom Menace, the earliest trailers for that, and I remember when I first saw those um, many years ago, it was so exciting. It was so exciting to see the trailers for those things. They didn't give anything away; they were so secretive, and you thought, "Wow!" And obviously, those films turned out to be, you know, terrible. You know, but actually, it was still a thing where the trailers got you to see films without giving too much away. Mm -hmm. Um, The Marvel ones, you kind of tend to go now just as a innate response I mean it's a reflex now a new one is coming out you know it's going to happen even this one you know it it uh, obviously it's part of a larger universe and you know exactly where he, where he's going to show up next etc mm. it's weird you, you know because the film has no there's no stakes if you know that if you know that the character is going to return in a film that's already been scheduled for 2020 or something <laughs> like that it's hard to get excited about what's going on mm-hmm. um, uh, but it is I mean it's a you know it's a solid film um maybe the marvel films have set themselves you know quite a high standard um but i don't know i think i think to be honest as a as a complete comparison to uh doctor strange i think the best thing that's probably been happening with marvel recently has probably been the stuff on tv yeah
2: um
0: or well not on tv because i don't watch agents of shield but the netflix series Mm. like luke cage and and jessica jones and uh daredevil etc that's been i think a lot a lot more interesting mainly because they've managed to take the marvel brand in a different direction maybe
1: yeah and and the thing that's struck me about all three of those shows and we should probably do um a whole section on this in a, in another episode yeah. because all three of them are interesting in their own ways but they all have um very distinct um tones to them and in all of them, it, it's not clear where all of them are going, yeah. and you don't feel that you're hitting the same prop beats over and over again. Um, that they're all very distinct shows and yet all existing side by side in yeah. the same city at yeah. the same time, and it's very clever how they managed to achieve that. Yeah.
0: I suppose they do have the advantage of being what 13 episodes long, so they've got like a decent amount of time to play with. But you're right. They they take characters who, are, I think, with the exception of Daredevil, again Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and probably the upcoming Iron Fist, are not super well known to general audiences. So you can afford to take risks with their characters, and you can afford to do more interesting plots over that you know over that time. But it's but there's no need to have a whole 13 episode um, series, which is essentially an origin story. Mm. You know, you can basically. Have that out of the way and move on to a plot, and you can actually have a plot that develops. You can have arcs involving the lead character, and you know, even you know, even all the other characters. There are loads of subplots going on, and you can build a more. Well, I think you know you can really develop a richer story. I mm-hmm. think in those, and that's probably what's lacking at the moment in the Marvel ones. They're very, they're very formulaic, like we first said, and so the Marvel movies are becoming too. Um, too obvious so maybe they need to take a step back and and not worry about how this film is going to fit into the larger universe but just make it a good film in itself
1: yeah and i think going back to the problem of having to do origin stories i like the fact that the next interesting marvel films that we're going to get will be spider-man and black panther Hmm and that neither of them will be an origin story because those characters have already been brought into the universe. They're already established. So we're not going to have two hours of going through the motions of how do they get their powers, how do they cope with becoming Mm. a superhero. It's just going to be, bam, straight in there. We already like the two characters. I thought they both worked really well in the last Avengers movie. And in fact, by the end of... um, that well, was Captain America, wasn't it? Was it? it was America, Civil yeah, War. Yeah, yeah. It felt like an Avengers <laughs> movie. Um, at the end of Civil War, I was more excited about seeing the upcoming Spider-Man and Black Panther films than I am about the next Avengers film, yeah. because too many characters in it all at once. It just feels a bit yeah. messy, a bit over the top.
0: And I think I think almost you you could almost view um, parts of uh, Civil War as being very good trailers for both of those two films because mm. you got a glimpse of the character you had an idea of potentially what their powers were and the kind of things they could do you got a sense of what their settings were going to be and then you're left for you know 12 months to to wait for the film to come out you know it was a good way to introduce it because they were they were brought in there was no need to faff around with you know too much Plot explaining who they are it got in there really well and it and it got it done but i do hope that they don't make them into origin movies i doubt they'll, like, i certainly doubt they'll do it with spider-man because i think another origin story of spider-man uh will be too much like yeah. w- like like already i think the the three that have happened have been too much he's yeah. such a well-known character now and they're all the same as well um actually i do wonder how many have there been more origin stories of batman or of spider-man that i don't know because they're all basically the same they keep showing them again and again and again in every film
1: because there have been since since I've been old enough to be going to the cinema there have been two Spider-Man and two Batman I think
0: yeah two Batman
1: yeah the Michael Keaton the first Michael Keaton and the first Christian Bale yeah
0: well I'm thinking also of Batman and Superman as well because that has another another one in there just for the the sake of of, uh,
1: oh yeah you see it in flashbacks you see it in in flashbacks and it's like and they literally just I'm shooting this thing
0: again, and again, and again, and it's just, it's it's odd because now, it's a scene that has no tension because when it appeared in Batman v Superman, yeah. you knew exactly what was going to happen, yeah. uh, and you spend a bit of time trying to work out where the actors have, like have appeared in things before. <laughs> I mean, you realise it's Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and you're like, oh yeah, I've seen him before. Mm. Yeah, it's like it, like it's so distracting, you know, and it's a waste of time these times because it didn't really serve the plot, you know, too much except for it was it was clearly Zach a Snyder's chance to say this is my version of the same scene but yeah. you could probably play all of the ones that have been done simultaneously no one would care to be honest they're all exactly the same and you could transplant them between movies um yeah it's a bit depressing
1: the other thing that i found very off-putting in doctor strange and this is something that i haven't noticed as much in any of the other marvel films is the sheer amount of in-your-face product placement (laughs) that was happening all the way through. He had a
0: lot of watches. He had a lot of (laughs) watches.
1: And I I don't know if for some reason they thought that this was going to appeal to a different market. Is it just because it's Benedict Cumberbatch? I I don't know why suddenly they felt, luxury watches, that's the product placement we need. But it was just...
0: It was a bit silly. uh, It was kind of... But also it's... Yeah, it was very James Bond all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's just unnecessary because I don't really see why these films need to you, you know, use these items so prominently. They clearly don't need the money to do it. Um, so it's fine for them to advertise these things um, and be sponsored in some way. But it's a bit odd to have them so prominently featured yeah. all the time.
1: There was a moment where he's speaking to another character who is wearing um, like a, a tracksuit top and the guy turns around and there is the largest Adidas logo mm. I've ever seen in my life on the back of his shirt and I thought no shirt exists in real life that has it that big <laughs> on the back. But it was and it was so distracting. Yeah. And there there were a couple of other occasions as well when there were, you know, advertising hoardings mm. in some of the street scenes. And it, it snaps you right out of yeah. the movie.
2: And it
0: does it always it always provokes a weird audience like yeah a weird audience reaction because people suddenly like who are wise to it they know that it's a bit silly to have these things in there so prominently it looks um you know it looks not like product placement like in a film or tv show that you traditionally see it really just looks like more like an advert for something
2: yeah
0: and it's very jarring like you say and it's it's completely unnecessary um you know they really need that much money uh i don't know
1: I mean it's, it's a Marvel movie it's not yeah. like they're going to be that worried about how much yeah. money it's going to make and is
0: that really the audience you know is it you know
1: I mean the the James Bond films now it's almost like a part of the film yeah where yes it's jarring but it's something that you expect they're going to do and it's like oh there's there's the car there's yeah. the watch there's the whatever in the in the next James Bond film um to the point where they almost managed to get away with it because you are expecting it and because it's built into the mythology of the character but in this it was it seemed to come completely out of the blue Mm. particularly the watches it was just so distracting
0: but maybe they know that these films have such a big audience globally Mm. that they they don't see it as a problem I mean it's gonna it's gonna be an issue I think if it if it does increase in future films because people are gonna get really annoyed with this I think Um, it just has no place because actually like you say, these these universes are they're not really our universe, are they? They're they're in their own world and they have their own rules and it's all you know, it's 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 strange to have spent spent what ten movies or whatever, twelve movies or however many it is, making a whole universe. And then you throw in an advert for something. Yeah. Um that you've seen the high street. It's a weird it's a weird idea. Because it it's it takes you out of the universe that you're in, and you suddenly have broken that wall, and it it's a very odd thing to watch.
1: Yeah, the, the other thing that made no sense with the watches is that at one point, it's very long. He pulls out this tray of you know, watch winding things, and they're all spinning around in there. It must have been about twenty luxury watches in this thing. And about twenty minutes later in the film, they're claiming that he's broke. Mm. You, Why do you sell your watches, you fool? <laughs>
0: maybe he did (laughs) or maybe he just sold the drawer that had that rotating mechanism (laughs) and maybe somebody bought them so they can have a drawer of things that just rotate (laughs) because I want one of those I want a drawer with rotating things
1: and I put marbles in them and they go round and (laughs) round it was just ridiculous (laughs) it was like
0: it was it's the kind of thing that you you can imagine happens in probably some very expensive watch shop I don't know but you know it's not going to happen in in Argos is it (laughs) But it's like you pull out a drawer and all these very expensive watches which look like clocks. I mean, they're giant, giant gold, Mm. you know, blingy watches. And he's like, oh, I'll choose this one. And it's just ridiculous. It's unnecessary because it doesn't really add anything to the character. They've already shown him in, uh, you know, in a fancy sports car and he's clearly got loads of money. He lives in this, like, fancy apartment, blah, blah, blah. Um, And like you say, even though he's got loads of money, he still seems to have all these things anyway. Mm. Um, I mean, admittedly, he can't use his hands. But he still seems to have everything he needs, um, you know. But I don't know. There are just all these weird decisions that that seem to make these places. You just think somebody should have thought about this in advance. If somebody had just, you know, watched back what they had done, <laughs> they would have edited these, some of these bits down a little bit because you don't need to overemphasize these aspects of the character. You know, if you've already portrayed him as an arrogant prick for most of the film up until that point, you don't need to add anything to it. Um, but they choose to. Um, mm. you
1: know. I, I know we seem to be very down on this film. It wasn't a bad film at all. It was a perfectly watchable film. But it I was think you just, expect more. You do, particularly mm. from from the Marvel films. You would hope that it's not a DC movie. No, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's the kind of That's rubbish true. you expect
0: there, where it's all going horribly wrong, and then you expect like Bruce Wayne to come up with a a Rolex and you know check time it's that yeah. kind of thing.
1: And then he checks his other Rolex and his other wrist to make sure that they match.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, it's just a bit of a... Yeah, it's a good film, but I think, you know, they raised the bar. And so they need to kind of start meeting it a little bit. It was a very complacent Marvel movie. Hmm. They knew what they had to do. They ticked all the boxes. But at the end of the day, everyone will go and see it. I don't know it wasn't as entertaining as I would hope it wasn't as fun as I would hope um and I the fact that the trailers included the next you know a sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. etc you know it's clear that this is it is just the idea that it's a it's another cog in the Marvel machine yeah which doesn't serve a purpose as an individual movie and that's the problem I think up until this point all the movies it's not that they could be watched on their own because they clearly have a lot of backstory to them, but you could watch them with a beginning, a middle, and an end. This has a beginning and a middle, and the end is very, very rushed. And I still don't understand who the villain was at the end. Um, I thought it was, you know, I was very confused. They, you know, as to whether it was meant to be a Thanos-like character or not. Um, it, apparently, it isn't Thanos. Um, even though they called him a different name, I knew it was somebody else. But it was, I, I thought maybe it was, you know, he clearly looks like Thanos. Mm. I don't understand why they would have a character who would look like him because for the generic audience who are going to go and see it I mean I didn't have a clue what the difference was I thought that was a reveal of, of some kind it, it turned out to be um, him but at the same time whilst I was worrying about that I also stopped caring <laughs> um, because they just had the most ridiculous ending to a Marvel film ever uh, where the actual resolution I think was just silly mm. i think the way they got it sorted out and it's a bit of a shame because i think it's almost like they ran out of action sequences uh and they tried to have a kind of wise cracky kind of humorous witty ending to mm. it and that's not what i came there to see i didn't come there to see you know sherlock holmes outsmart the villain you know but i don't know
1: i think it was very telling that in the trailers that we saw before the film almost all of them were some kind of expanded universe there was oh. a trailer for fantastic beasts and where to find them which is the extended harry potter universe
0: five movies
1: there was a trailer for rogue one which is a random story expanded in the already expanded star wars universe and there was uh, guardians of the galaxy 2 yeah. which is a more expanded marvel universe and on and on and on it goes
0: I mean that's clearly the trend that's happening everyone wants to make these expanded universe things clearly that's the new thing you know they they realise that the way to make money is to hope that people buy into a universe and then they will keep churning out films within that it'll take another five years before they get the message that this is a really unoriginal and boring way to make films but until that time I think there's probably a few more universes to come um (laughs) And I think it's like, it's just a, it's a natural extension maybe of having all these sequels to things, Mm. but I think it was already clear that there was something going wrong with the concept of sequels when they started doing that thing where they start breaking up the, the, well, the third or final book in a series of of books into two movies, which happened with Twilight and
1: Harry Potter. Potter
0: and it happened with that
1: Hunger Games the Hunger
0: Games. The Divergent series has done the same thing, but now they're not going to make the last movie because they had, it didn't make enough. The, the first half didn't make enough money, so now they want to make the second half into a TV thing. But none of the cast who signed up to make movies want to be on TV, so it's a completely pointless <laughs> thing that they've ruined a whole franchise like that. Although it probably wasn't a very good franchise anyway. It's just very odd to do this mm. um, because, to be honest, I remember that you know. Again, I know it sounds like we're prattling on about the good old days, but films used to be relatively unique you know there weren't that many sequels around there was a a real drive to make original films and some of them well many of them failed but many of them succeeded and there are a lot of tremendous films especially genre films actually that were one-offs they never had sequels
2: yeah
0: Um, and often when they did have sequels the sequels were so spectacularly bad that (laughs) they didn't carry on for ages yeah you know but now it's deemed a thing that these films are being established as part of a a universe and i think the problem there is that it's clear that what you know if the first film fails what do you do mm. because they're now going to have to just keep cranking these things out it's you know they've got this this thing with the the universal monsters in the hope that that's going to be a a series of films that everyone's going to rush and go and see but to be honest the mummy has been done frankenstein mm. has been done dracula has been done all these all these things have been done so many different times putting them in the same universe and having some famous people in it like like hollywood stars and them, rather than having these uh sort of you know slightly lower budget kind of generic action movies you know taking place having this idea of a universe doesn't it doesn't hold any reward for the audience you know there's no reason to come back and i think what will happen is couple of these films will have a, will be big failures and they'll keep releasing another couple in the series and it'll do the usual thing eventually somebody will well one studio will lose so much money on these things that everyone takes notice and then they stop doing it but then they but they'll keep doing it for the moment because they know they have nothing else to do um, there's no other new idea coming through um and to be honest by the time all this is finished there'll be more avatar films <laughs> yeah. you know it's just the same it's the same stuff that's being churned out which is fine as long as there was a steady stream of good original content coming out as well Mm. and that's probably why things are surviving I mean I think that's one of the reasons why things are surviving on TV I know know everyone keeps saying oh it's a golden age of television blah 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 but I think one issue that's come up is that films are not trying that hard to compete anymore Mm. they used to but now they don't bother they're going for just the summer market and they make these big blockbuster kind of things most of them are terrible and um people have not realized that the marvel ones have succeeded not because they're part of a universe but at least a lot of the films up to now have shown some sense of originality as some of blockbusters and they're kind of the blockbusters that you used to see sort of in the early 90s mm. um a lot more well written they're not just straightforward action movies which is well which was the trend sort of in the early 2000s i think
1: yeah it was interesting, a couple of weeks ago we watched the original Stargate film again for the first time in ages. And that was a film that it didn't come from any existing property, it wasn't a book or a comic or anything, it was just an idea. They made a movie, it must have cost a huge amount yeah. um, for the effects that they were doing at the time that they were making the film.
0: It had Kurt Russell in it. It
1: had Kurt Russell in it.
0: Back when he was like young ish, <laughs> had James Spader pre blacklist. Yeah Which seems a long time ago now, but, um,
1: and it was a good film. But they didn't go and make a hundred other Stargate films. Instead, eventually, you put it on TV and you do a giant expanded universe on television
0: and keep it like almost quite separate. Actually, you just take it in your own direction, but you don't need to keep coming back to the uh, the movie. Universe.
1: yeah you, you don't begin thinking right well if this film is a success we're going to make eight more mm-hmm. and then we're going to spin it off with one of the characters and make 10 of those mm-hmm. um over the next 50 years and we've already got more blocked out
0: because i think a couple of characters do show up in the tv show don't they in fg1 yeah. yeah there's like a little bit of a link takes place but they basically were like oh look it's been a you know it worked very well but maybe there's more stories to tell in this universe let's just tell them in a tv show and then i think there it's a state where if The TV show works, he gets another season. If it doesn't work, he gets cancelled. But it wasn't an investment over millions of uh, you know, dollars for several films. I think the one that did it completely wrong was The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Everyone got hyped about The Matrix, and then suddenly there were like two Matrix films coming three or four years afterwards, or whatever, and that was just a shambles. Then when everyone saw the first one of the two sequels, The Matrix which one was it The Matrix Re-
1: Reloaded with The Matrix
0: Reloaded then everyone was like uh, I don't want another one of these and if I do <laughs> want another one of these I want it to be very different from what I know is coming <laughs> but by that point they'd already made it and it was released six months afterwards and it was terrible
2: yeah.
0: and then the whole property is dead
2: yeah
0: um, you know but I don't know it's it seems kind of obvious that this universe thing is destined to fail but I think it's not going to stop them at all and certainly because now uh the dc universe has to go alongside it as well um i think that's going to be a big problem because now they're trying to develop some great rivalry uh but the problem is the dc movies so far have been pretty terrible yeah um they i mean bordering on unwatchable um it's actually it's actually very pathetic to watch them try and launch their own universe Solely as a response to Marvel, not because they feel the urge that you know to tell a new Superman film or a film about you know Spider Man. I mean, sorry, not Spider Man, uh,
1: Superman. Superman. Yeah, um,
0: it's just a you know, it's just a one-upmanship kind of thing, and they're failing, they're failing spectacularly. And in the same way that they've signed up the same cast and and Zack Snyder to make a few of them, you know, it's clear it's not going to work. You know, with the current group who made uh, Batman v Superman. And yet they've already got production going on the next ones. And they'll, you know, now they're going to try and change the direction of it, but it'll make a very uneven thing. I think the Marvel films had a tone from the beginning, mm. they stuck to it, and they've executed it. I and mean, maybe now it's getting dull after this number of movies. So they need to kind of refresh it a bit. But I think the DC universe is playing catch up at the moment.
1: The other thing that Marvel did that's very clever is that the Marvel movies and the Marvel TV exist in perfect harmony with each other, whereas the DC movies and the DC television have to be utterly separate, yeah. because they, are, they have two versions of some of the characters. Yeah. Um, in fact, the existence of some of the DC movies has already influenced the TV show by having to get rid of Suicide Squad on Arrow, yeah. so that they could make a completely different Suicide Squad movie. And now there's going to be a Flash movie, and yet we've got the Flash on TV. And it works
0: very well on TV. Yeah. I just can't imagine it working as well uh, in a film.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. the best of the DC TV shows, yeah. definitely.
0: Although maybe what they'll do in the DC, uh, yeah, in the DC universe in films is they'll use the Arrow, and then the Arrow won't be a TV show anymore, and we we'll have to watch it anymore. <laughs> Maybe it's about time. Maybe,
1: it about Maybe time. it's about
0: time that they they took, you know, they're, they're more strategic in which characters they started using. Yeah. Because Arrow is just going on and on and on and on and on. But it has birthed a lot of these kind of um, side characters, like you say.
1: Yeah. Perhaps yeah. they could put us out of our misery so we don't have to feel obliged to continue <laughs> watching it.
0: But it's straight. I think, like you said, I think the, the Suicide Squad were done very well in Arrow. You know, it was actually, you know, I knew very little about the Suicide Squad, I knew all of them. Um, they appear in that; they're really good, and then all of a sudden, they start. It was very clear they were starting to be killed off or phased out, and then eventually they're completely removed from Arrow, clearly because they need to be used in the DC movies instead. But to be honest, there's nothing in the movies that makes me go, "Ah, oh, I want to see the Suicide Squad." um You know, I like them when they're organically brought into the Arrow universe, um and same with the Flash. I wasn't impressed by that glimpse of the Flash you see in. Uh, batman v superman or even in the trailer for the upcoming justice league movie because uh the tv flash is the flash i know
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's perfectly fine i don't want to see everyone recast in a film version because i'm not going to invest myself in two hours at the cinema in just for the sake of it when i've invested you know coming up to a third year of, of uh, you know of life in uh, in the flash universe mm-hmm. so it's it's an odd thing because i think the the DC TV shows, they do work very well and they're all very cohesive. Um, you know, they haven't... They're all very variable in quality. Um, but I think it's safe to say they're all better than the, the slate of the current DC Universe uh, movies. Um, certainly, I mean, certainly Flash, I think, is, is still strong at the beginning of its third season, which has just started. The Arrow, oh, that's just... It's painful to watch but you watch it out of loyalty because you started watching it so you've got to continue watching it and I think a number of times we've thought I'm going to stop watching this week I'm going to stop watching this week and the next week and the next week and then it's become a thing which you can put on in the background and you don't have to pay attention to it but it's getting painful to watch and and this series I think it's already going in a I don't it's just going in a weird direction especially now the the dynamic of all the characters has changed as well
1: yeah so I think Next time, we're going to probably have a round-up of how we feel about the return of all the DC shows so far.
0: Yeah, so they're, they're all back. Well, so Supergirl's back for its second season, Flash for its third, Arrow for its fifth.
2: Yeah.
0: And Legends of Tomorrow is back for its uh, second.
2: Yay. Uh, yay. Yay. My favourite show. Um,
0: <laughs> so bad. It's terrible. we do watch it. Yeah. Um, yes they're all back and I think um, it'll be kind of interesting to uh, kind of talk about our thoughts on those